podcast. My name is Paul McAnallan. Thanks for joining me. Um, this podcast is the second of 2017 and I'm really uh, genuinely delighted and thrilled to be able to bring you a conversation with um, CEO of Black Box Fitness, Greg Bradley. Um, I've known, known Greg for a while. We've been trying to get this podcast put in the uh, in the tin for about maybe 18 months, two years. Um, and even right now over this last two or three weeks, um, Greg, Greg has undergone some fairly significant shift in business where he's moved into a, a, a big premises down in the Belfast Titanic Quarter. He's been trading and negotiating deals with um, some fairly um, prominent organizations of which we'll talk about in the podcast. So I'm, I'm grateful that he's given me the time and I'm also grateful that you're giving me the time to listen to this. If you're anyway interested in growing your business, if you want to make it out on your own, if, you're, if you've got any kind of uh, reservations about doing that, if you're in the middle of a uh, sort of growth phase and you're not really sure you're doing it okay, or there's other things that you can learn, then Greg will give you some fairly significant and relevant tips about how he managed to grow the business from um, a very, very small, um, I suppose, directionless uh, organization about four years ago. Maybe that's unfair to say it was directionless, but if you look back four years ago and what he was doing then and what he's doing now, um, it's been a, a, a very significant jump. And I think if he had been working in any other sector, if it had been in the tech sector, the media would be all over this guy like a rash. Um, it's a great story. I hope you enjoy it. Um, here we go. Greg, how's it going? Welcome, uh, welcome to the studio. Good to be catching up. We've had this in the diary for some time now. I have indeed. I suppose it's take two or three. This is probably take three, actually. Yeah. Take three. Yeah. <laughs> too much wine the first time, but <laughs> <laughs> that will stay. In, that one will stay in the vaults. Um, so, right, how do we tee this up here? You've uh, um, just to explain to the people listening what you do and um, what the business is all about. Perfect. Well. I knew you were going to ask this. I should have perfected my uh, elevator pitch, but I suppose manufacture gym equipment, probably a bit of specialty on end-to-end design and fit-outs of gyms. So work with a wide range of different sectors, whether it would be a little bit in the home gym space, but our, our bread and butter of sports would be Gaelic clubs or amateur sports teams and independent gyms. Um, but we also work with a wide range of um do military, professional sports, schools, education, um, yeah, which is good. It's good not to be a uh, sports pigeonholed into to one sector. Yeah, you oh, you reversed into that question rather than going straight in. <sighs> um, I'll I'll take all the embarrassment out of this for you. You spent the last forty eight hours in Liverpool working with two Premier League soccer clubs. That'd be right, yeah. It would, yeah. I suppose I'm always a little bit conscious of the. Not necessarily the client confidentiality, or sometimes you're leaving a bit of a... Club Tranmere and... <laughs> well, when I say two, two of the biggest football clubs in Liverpool, one wears red and one wears blue, so... <laughs> but no, I suppose, I mean, there was no real sort of confidentiality agreement or anything there, and I don't think there's any danger to of um, a paper trail, I suppose, with competitors and that. We've got mm-hmm. something unique that they can't get any, anywhere else, which is why I, I don't really sort of hide that sometimes i do like to kind of throw the old curveball out there just to keep um competitors in the, on their toes but yeah i had the pleasure of being over in, in liverpool uh the past day even the past week 
um, I don't want to name drop, but I do love it. So uh, <laughs> I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, yeah, obviously some of the, the Premier League football teams. Um, done the doing a home gym for the CEO of a, another Premier League team, and I'm doing a gym for pretty famous band as well. But I mean, I had pushed out on social media yesterday that, you know. I, as good as it is to be working with these teams, I, I, I'm not going to lose, you know, the run of myself. The business has been built on working with, you know, independent gyms, uh, GAA clubs, rugby teams, um, and that's what got us to where we are. So, it, essentially, it's the icing on the cake. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of, it's maybe a little bit of internal slag in between us about that because you are fairly, fairly modest most of the time about what you do, but I think... Um, I love I love the stories where businesses from the north can can uh, work really hard sort of locally and then become regional national successes and then they end up doing a little bit of work on the other island or, or globally which you've been doing as well. So you you've been just a little bit of backstory then the history four years five years what is it now? Yeah, just approaching five years. So I suppose just to give a quick bit of background for context. Um, it was after university graduated when. Uh, studied communication, advertising, and marketing, which I think a lot of people are surprised. They think I maybe studied engineering or sports science. Um, I'm surprised you studied advertising or marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I went to university to be honest. But uh, yeah, after that, I you know everyone had all these high playing jobs lined up. I hadn't a clue. I knew I wasn't going to be doing anything working for someone else. Uh, throughout uni, I kind of ran an eBay shop and other little adventures. Um, and then I didn't know what to do. And I suppose I didn't at the time understand what a, a lean startup was, if you want. But looking back with the benefit of hindsight, kind of realized it was a lean startup. Essentially, I was in to play Gaelic football. Wasn't a, by any means. In fact, I, I'm quite proud to say I was probably the worst Gaelic footballer to win a senior championship. Uh, but, you know, I was in to enhance my performance uh, athletically and there just wasn't anywhere to get decent gym equipment so I thought okay I might give a go at making this put a couple of ads up onto uh, adverts.ie I think it was um, didn't have any equipment just downloaded pictures and uh, people started ringing me and I was like Jesus I need to find someone to make this and it turned out only well, I see the owner of the Irish Strength Institute one of the coaches for Conor McGregor and a range of different athletes he was like look I need this equipment in two weeks so I got uh, a welder to make it my dad drove me down to Dublin and we delivered it and uh, from there built a relationship with Owen he was opening a gym in Portugal and I somehow convinced him to give me a chance I was like look I'll do this at cost price I just want to get into this it seems like there's a good opportunity and he took a punt um, on me so someone I would I would be internally grateful for um, to um, was actually emailing him today he's repaired a lot of business and uh, yeah it's that kind of saying never forget who brought you to the dance it's someone that you know I will always look after and probably would never have started with mm -hmm. uh, without him yeah um, I suppose it's fair to, to continue that story and say maybe that that hunger, that insatiable hunger to, and drive hasn't really um, abated any. It's, it's continued um, with a little bit more vigour even. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was talking about that today. I mean, I have dedicated essentially, I don't want to sound like a, a martyr or anything, but this has been my life for, for five years. It's been pretty much six or seven days a week from pretty much almost five in the morning to I fall asleep. Uh, 
and that's a choice, you know, I don't need to do it, I want to do it, I see there's an opportunity, um, maybe I will look back in time and maybe potentially regret it, but uh, there is an opportunity, and it's something I enjoy, I wouldn't do it if I didn't want to do it, um, and yeah, I just can't relax, so. Do you think that there, um, we have talked before about the, the Gary Vernichuk and, and the, that timing of just, just the perfect storm, where for him it was wine, popularity of wine and the popularity or the availability of YouTube and the cost effectiveness of using that technology to broadcast. Mm-hmm. Is it luck or good timing that has you in this position now? Because it is like everybody is, it's it's really, really, um, I don't know how, what's the best way to describe it without belittling what it is because I know it's a massive industry, but it's just continually, it's just in the curve of serious growth. Well, it is, well, firstly, to answer your question, it is luck, you need luck. It's obviously a bit of hard work in the mix uh, and good timing as well. Um, I think maybe it would have been slightly better timing. There's other companies in America that were maybe four or five years uh, ahead and got it right at the kind of... Would you say that the, 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 this part of the world is four or five years behind? The, potentially. I think, you know, there's this sort of stigma of people say that. I don't know if it's four or five. There's different areas that they are behind. It is a young industry in America would be the kind of the thought leader of the industry, if you like, but it's such a young industry. Um, but it's a very rewarding industry as well, you know, whether you're working with someone, a, a GA club, or I keep saying GA clubs, or even just someone who's opening their first studio, or, you know, at the very highest end, it is extremely rewarding. Um, so it's something that, you know, I really enjoy doing, and there's such a, I don't know, feel-good factor is the right word, but, you know, when you see people, the knock-on effect, someone opens a first gym, they might have 80 or 100 members, and they are essentially changing lives, um, which is good. So I think in terms of what, um, I don't actually uh, hide it in any way, I suppose one of my maybe stronger points would be that I'm quite good at maybe transporting, and I've seen that you know this has been done, and the steel terminology, R&D, rip off and duplicate, I've just took the best of what other companies are doing not just gym equipment companies because i'm a huge believer on looking at other industries and learning from i've took a lot from what steve jobs has done dell all these other different companies um but i've also looked at some other you know i don't blindly just copy other equipment companies but you know there is success leaves clues so i was able to do that um there's also been a lot of mistakes along the way, which we can go into probably. Yeah, well. I'd love to actually stop you there and just focus, <laughs> focus on some of your failures, just so everybody listening can take a trick a little of their ears there. Um, <laughs> no, so just you know, without without going on, like you talk about trends, but I'm like the 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 trend um, has changed, and you'd be better to articulate than me. But the the trend trend has moved from high monthly payment locked in for 12-month contracts into almost like a, a pay-and-go kind of model. Um, has that been a benefit to you? That the, There's a change when people are more... It obviously has been a benefit that people are more aware, right? It is and it isn't. So I suppose, give you a bit of background, so the industry, initially you would have had fitness first, essentially almost had a bit of a monopoly. They would have been the first sort of big box gym chain. They've now been squeezed out of the UK. In fact, they're just focusing on um, Australia and Asia. Uh, but the low cost of came in would have started predominantly in America, got pretty big in Europe, Germany. So you've got Pure Gym, Gym Group, etc. Down south, you have FlyFit. So the penetration rate of the general public, about 14% would be members of a gym, which is the highest it's ever been. Um, so it has been good because essentially it's getting, it's lowering the barrier for people to, to get into fitness but 
also the industry is almost like the airline industry um, or hotels, you know, you can either go low cost or very high end. You know, we work, we don't work too much with the, the low cost guys. We just haven't probably got the capacity to fulfill the requirements just yet. Um, again, they are, I mean, I've noticed these low cost gyms initially, they'd be sort of cardio and machine heavy. Now you have to kind of come into the stage where they're almost doing 50 to 60% in the functional space. So I think we've done well in that. And this is the reason why I started the company, Marron Gilly Club got a grant. Um, and I suppose the first thing I should say is the industry has evolved since then, but back then there wasn't too many equipment companies. They got a grant and there may have been some stipulations that they had to have a wide open access for all members of the public. But essentially, in my opinion, the company that sold them the equipment pretty much took advantage of them. They knew they had a bit of a monopoly. They knew it wasn't their money per se and I think we took advantage and I just thought there has to be something better than that and unfortunately there wasn't so for me I do and I'm not saying I'm a, an angel or anything but I do have a strict set of core values and I will not take advantage of any client you know I've talked about it previously where I've had people there check in hand ready to go with you know open a gym and in my opinion I thought it was going to be a mistake the model they were going to be adopting there's a lot of me too's in the industry people think that they can do something similar but better than what's already out there and it doesn't quite work like that so I prefer to slow people down essentially it's almost like selling big by selling small so we can do stuff for 10 15,000 pound which would probably only get you one or two treadmills or machines and we can do a turnkey gym so there's a big bang for buck or return on investment there um, well also you're you're looking into the lifetime value of the customer as well like you're there you're, their success is evidently going to be your success and this hit and run stuff just doesn't work anymore no i mean like literally a couple of just very quick examples i've had people someone who would have been a pretty big inner county ga star successful construction company wanted to get into the fitness space and he was ready to go had the money and i just said you know i'll not mention the name but i said you know you just can't walk into this industry with the greatest respect i brought him to a course i bring over educators um and it took three years didn't probably make any money i'll be maybe spent twenty twenty five thousand pounds but for the time that was spent on that it maybe wasn't hugely profitable but at the same time i am as you say looking long term um I mean, I haven't spent a huge amount on advertising uh, or marketing. Mm. It's all referral based. As time goes, as the company scales, we'll obviously plug in different strategies. But for me, you know, I always try and get over deliver, get that referral. And, you know, it's, it's you know, you want to grow as they grow. So everything's designed so it's modular, you know, let's just get it right. There is on the flip side, sometimes people will build failure into their business by trying to bootstrap and be too cheap. And quite frankly, I'll maybe say to them, look, make them aware of, you know, there is going to be a trade-off if you're doing this, be aware. But, you know, I, you know, if they want to bootstrap, we can do it. If they want to spend a lot of cash, we can do that too. Um, so it just you, you talk about the, the advice that you give. If you were to just to, to underline the, the real value that comes from working with black box and people within your organization, what is that value? Does it come from... Um, products, designs, what is it? What's what, what's your, your... This is quite funny, actually, because I texted uh, an article to my uh, UGM uh, last night and just said, you know, I would like you to read this. And it was essentially around strategy. And to paraphrase, uh, 
the the article basically it was talking about focus and you know being the best at one thing. Um, Jim Collins. I think it may have came the from hedgehog, it. Yeah, the hedgehog and the fox. Yeah. I, I'm not hundred percent sure where it came from, but I texted to her just saying, you know, I'm trying to kind of do this onboarding process and get her up to speed on my philosophy, which I um, on business. But she texted me back and was like, what? You know, so what is the one thing that Black Fox do? And I kind of, I actually laughed when I got it, you know, because I was like, I text back joking and was like, marketing, um, joking. You know, I do think in relation to Ireland, and I'm not bad mouthing other clients, and maybe even UK, our marketing has allowed us to maybe punch or stand out a little bit, but the measuring stick I'm using, I think it's awful. Um, I'm talking like, I'm looking at world class, you know, but then I actually thought about it and I texted her. And it probably does sound a bit, and this is exactly what I said there, it's a bit maybe cliche or cheesy, but I was like, I think we actually care more than anyone. And potentially it's actually more of a weakness than anything. I found <laughs> that I actually do, and I'm not trying to say, because it actually is, like I'm probably the bottleneck in the company because I literally do try and get involved way too much. Like Ashley in the office of Miles, you know, they're like, if you want quick service, like they are the people, you know, whereas I maybe slightly overcomplicate things and try and get involved, which brings a scalability problem and a capacity problem. And then it actually has a knock-on effect, you know, if you if you can't answer the phone to someone, you know, they think, oh, what's going on? So, But you need to, you do, you need to operate on a, a measure twice, cut once philosophy, evidently. And you don't get two cracks at going to um, the Centre of Excellence in Dublin and getting it wrong. You know, you don't go to work in, with the clients you do. You don't get those referrals if you get it wrong. So that attention and that care is is probably very, very obvious and one thing that you probably do well to keep keep a focus on. Yeah, well, I suppose in terms of referability, I mean, one of my mentors is kind of, and I'll not try and give you the four tips, but a couple of them, the main thing he talks about is doing what you said you would do. And that's something maybe that I have initially struggled with one from okay yes i am the salesperson in inverted commas but i suppose due to the sheer custom nature of what we do there has been one or two issues where you know if something goes wrong especially you know the suppose if something goes wrong when you're doing so much custom it can go majorly wrong and that's again something that i need to maybe communicate in, in the onboarding and the sales process because people don't understand you know if something does go wrong you can't just fix it like that um so but for me that's probably the biggest thing that i've been so keen because you know i had an audit done of the company been independent agency where we got feedback and i will say we would be very self-critical internally you know always asking you know how can we improve and we if anything maybe beat ourselves up too much um but there was issues where you know maybe weren't delivering to the the high standard all the time so fulfillment's been one of the big things that i've been keen to set up my just came on board design engineer and he's really cut back on our sort of or helped reduce any sort of errors so that's been a big one as well so one of the fourth the first one was what to say you want to do, do we say do uh the other one is um uh, if, you, if you say you're going to turn up, turn up. Turn up, yeah. Uh, Dan Sullivan, your mentor, Dan is Sullivan, he? yeah. Well, <laughs> one. Uh, what's the other one? Say please and thank you. Yeah. And yeah. then I forgot the fourth. Memory's pretty horrific. But, uh, I was trying to have a good memory, I think it's the fourth one. No? <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll move on from that. Um, no, it's interesting that we, we spoke in ages ago about 
you know the value proposition and, and get get caught up in the, what your value proposition is. And it's very easy to write in your website something that becomes this this uh, uh, external mantra, but internally it means nothing. It's more important to have behavior and attitude sorted than it is to have a, vis a visual value statement on your website. I think anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and again, that is. I mean, our own current website is a very bad shop window which needs to be sorted and it's totally undersells the the company and it's something that needs to be looked at because the amount of people that are probably being burned you know they're going on there and that's generally what the the sort of comment i get from people is mm -hmm. you know your website doesn't tell us that well, i had a look at it today this is the first time i looked at your website since you're like i think one of the maybe not the previous one the previous and one iteration you know and the 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 it's still basically um, because I know you, the company and yourself, I, I would find it easier to describe what you do better than you do. And I think that's always the way, isn't it? You need an external perspective maybe sometimes to look in. Yeah, well, definitely. I, I'm probably not the best at communicating. I think long, you know, long term people I can build trust and they will understand that you know I can deliver something which is obvious to them. But definitely to do a, an elevator pitch if you want, I'm probably not the best person. Um, <laughs> Uh, we'll catch you later on for that. Um, <laughs> the uh, you talk about some of your failures, and like, I'll I'll jump inside. It's uh, the um, you know failure. We discussed this again. I think uh, in our first version of this, the failure is is not the opposite of success. Failure is just a part of success. You know, you you would let a lot of that stuff drive you on, or does it what make you stop and rethink, or do you just go again quickly? No, definitely. I mean, you just treat it as market research i mean that's probably what the biggest you know if you beat yourself up constantly you're not gonna get through it and i mean if you read about anyone successful steve jobs elon musk you know all these guys have, have been through this so it is pretty tough and i suppose the the mindsets side of things is hugely important tony robbins will talk about business being you know 80 percent mindset and 20 percent strategy and tactics which I probably do believe um but yeah in terms of mistakes made a few um god where to start uh just just maybe one of your really big ones <laughs> <laughs> um it's tricky i suppose in business and it's you know with the benefit of hindsight i would be quite quick to rush into things I suppose maybe a little bit of a dreamer or quite idealistic and you know that's obviously just coming with a little bit of experience um, Funny but you, on, to counter that I was with a client today who's who's not doing too badly um, in several different arenas and he was talking about one of his, his MDs or one of his directors who happens to be a family relation and he says the problem with Shamey let's call him Shamey for he is indeed not called Shamey um, the problem with Shamey is that he's not a dreamer you know, he doesn't have the vision and, and this guy was talking about how important it is to be able to visualize and trying to have a, a literal picture in your head rather than just like, you know, claiming you're a visionary or, or like, but dreaming big, you know, and then being able to drive towards that. He was really a big fan of it. And he, he mentioned three or four different projects he'd worked on that had come around as just a, as a result of him just like, you know, imagine if you could do that yeah, and then go and do it, you know. I, I am a big believer. I'm very optimistic and the magic of thinking big is a great book in saying that and i do believe most people do not think big enough but on the flip side there is quite a lot of people that are dreamers and just dreaming yeah they're fucking <laughs> dreaming you know it's like what do you call that book uh where essentially you just 
think about it, you know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck, I can't remember. But yeah, but that, you know, you have yeah. to take action, you have to move the needle, and you yeah. should know the name of that book. But <laughs> it, it, it is tricky. Um, I suppose, yeah, I've been, some people have said maybe <laughs> one of my mentors in America, Thomas Bummer, would probably say I'm not ruthless enough. Um, which is something that I'm probably looking at. Um, which I, I, it is probably some of my other. I well, first I suppose I don't believe in working too many much on weaknesses. Um, I mean anyone successful, most of them to be honest, I've realised. Can I swear? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, most people that are successful are pretty fucked up, and they've just got a couple of different strengths which they've hammered mm -hmm. home. I'm a big believer on playing to my own strengths. Um. But yeah, there is one or two. I mean, one of the weaknesses I'm looking at is the whole sort of finance side of things because I do believe it is a useful skill. Well, it isn't a useful skill. No, but you, you know, again, I don't like the guy. I, I don't. I don't like him. I don't trust his narrative. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't relate to his narrative. And probably Gary B. Yeah, man. He's he, he talks about that all the time. But one of the few things that I really get is that you know, for you to try and excel. And anything at all is that there's no point in focusing on your weaknesses like you've got to be he, he kind of almost exaggerates the point if you become a complete wizard at the stuff you're really good at and then you know all the other stuff for you you find that gap for yourself and um that's the one thing i, I get from him as well i also get the the anti-ageist thing from him you, you know the, the whole um the different generations that come through that have got these fantastic names millennials generation xyz whatever but the different age categories that, that go through and he he sort of makes a statement. He says, "Like, why, um, why, why do you not think you can do this when you're fifty or sixty or even 70? And you and I had a conversation about two years ago, and uh, we talked about we're talking about retirement and stuff. And he said, "Are you, are you really going to retire? Do you remember saying that to you? No. You said, you know, you said to me genuinely. You said, are, are you really going to retire? So it's obviously in your head just to, to keep to keep driving on there. Well, I mean, it's kind of like another guy." Uh, name has left me but he talks about retiring into your business you Dan know Dan Sullivan like, said that as well I don't know if it was Dan Sullivan it was it'll come to me in a second but essentially you know like Warren Buffett uh Bill Gates etc these guys aren't retiring yeah. you know they're retiring into their business and mm. I mean, we could go in also to the the idea of, or, or the myth of, of passive income as well you know I think a lot of people and I mean, when we were talking about the hours, I think sometimes the whole idea of being in business is slightly glamorized as well. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, it must be amazing, you know, being your own boss, doing working whenever you want. And unfortunately, it's not like that. Um, well, you know, you can get a lifestyle business, but there's very few people that have a lifestyle business that are doing it long term, sustaining it. Um, you run heavy hours like... You do run heavy hours. You're up very early. You're an early bird. Um, yoga and meditation first thing. Yeah, I mean, I've actually just, I, well, I would try and be a, a high performer in inverted commas. I, I am quite obsessive about, you know, I do need to get quite a lot of output um, in terms of, I'm a firm believer, you know, people will read um, books and try and leverage themselves out of their, their own business. Uh, I'm a big believer on being in the business. Um, if now I'm at a bit of a, a transition period, and I was actually uh, having a few drinks with a, a bank manager earlier today, and was just chatting to him about you know, I need to try and figure out is my role now as the company scales better being out in the marketplace or managing the team 
Um, and that's something that, you know, like I yesterday I loved, I haven't been out on the road as much, but, you know, I do love that. But yeah. at the same time, I need to try and figure out, is it better actually to maybe just upskill people to do that? Um, it's very, you know, you have to consider the um, the transition of the personal brand to the corporate brand, you know, and the ability to, to uh, the, the obvious inability to be in two places at once and the, the market being global now where you can trade, you're trading all over the world. So the opportunities... In mainland Europe, but you probably remain fairly untapped. I would say at this point, Europe will, will be a big one. Um, going over to Dubai in less than two weeks, doing what I believe should be one of the best, and, and I don't say this. Well, maybe a slight embellishment, but uh, <laughs> I do believe it will be one of the the best independent gyms in the world. It's on the first floor of the world's biggest Lamborghini showroom. There has not been a stone. There hasn't been stone left unturned with this, even outside of the actual gym equipment. Everything has been custom made, um, and even the changing rooms, etc., are top class. So that potentially, if leveraged properly, could quite frankly be life changing. Um, so that's you know. Again. If you think of the other sports, so you you get a lot of your intel, and um, when you try to chase the trends, or you try to stay ahead of the curve, and. Um, move for the market is and then move beyond that so you got the states and you've got australia is europe as much of an opportunity then is it kind of lagging behind so it's, it's bigger uh i mean in, ter in, term, in terms of development so if you said that america's four or five years ahead of ireland um is ireland then a year ahead or behind europe or potentially i mean uh, i've been quite romanced by I've done a couple of gyms in Australia and been romanced by the weather aspect. The weather here is just quite frankly shit. And mm -hmm. uh, I had explored about potentially setting up in Australia. Um, and then I looked at it, looked at the data. There's circa 23, 24 million people there, maybe 25. And you look at what there is in UK, Europe. Uh, there's just such a... And Belfast is actually a really good base to, for a business. Yeah. Um, I mean... One of our strap lines uh, is made in Belfast with another strap line, Intelligent Fitness Systems, that I came, I came up one day and established. Did mm. you remember that? Do you talk about this? Talk about that going ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I better give Paul a plug here. He did come up with uh, the strap line, Intelligent Fitness Systems, which I suppose the the, the rebrand also would be one that may be worth touching on. Um, but again, it's been very well received from clients and the rebrand as well um so but you, you i mean um the the thing that i again we had talked about before was this idea of a startup company and everybody that i talk to in startups is not necessarily so far removed from tech this is a really basic uh, it's not basic i don't want to belittle what you're doing but it's a you know uh, you're, you're treating it like it's a tech startup well you know, I think that's what the way it's done as well. And to be honest, like, I do believe it should have done a little bit better if there wasn't a few little uh, speed bumps along the way. Yeah. Um, I suppose we've been able to utilize technology. T tactically, you know, I spent a bit of time understanding tactics online, but, you know, where the biggest return investment comes from is getting out there building relationships, making friends. I mean, there was one course I went to, it's called Exos Athletes Performance. Um, 
I borrowed money. This was probably about four years ago. Borrowed money from my granny. Didn't have a penny to go to, and I actually wasn't going to go. And again, you just convinced me that you need to go to this. And from that, I could actually I couldn't actually put a, a number on what that going to that course has done. Uh, it's been phenomenal. I've made a lot of very good contacts from just going to that one course. So technology has played a part, but you know business is just it's, it's about relationships full stop that is you yeah. know it's the glue that holds everything together but technology is important i'm not going to underplay it but at the same time i do I like i see people getting obsessed with social media campaigns business cards blah 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 websites you know yes they all play a part but in terms of it's that there's a great article from i think it's like kevin the 1000 true fans or you know you could go even bring it down even smaller you know like 20 of your best contacts could probably refer enough business to you um so i found out very recently that some of the the networks that exist you know not just the really obvious ones but sometimes that the the um the the confidence just to reach to one person just can multiply and a lot of people do spend their time, the disproportionate amount of time on social media and have really nice social media campaigns that just say, fuck off. Oh, but these people too, this is me, you know, they're absolute lions on social media and they wouldn't even say hello to you on the street. Well, I'm not saying, <laughs> honestly, they're absolute fucking pussycats. And I'm not saying that I'm like walking down, checking everyone's hand and that. But in terms of relationship, like... Honestly, even the past couple of days, I've had people, the amount of goodwill, I'm actually gobsmacked. I think people, they understand that I literally do, like I make a lot of mistakes along the way, sometimes bite more more often I can chew, but like the goodwill, the amount of texts I get from people, it's like, I actually does, like, I'm just like, fuck this is like, and I'm always conscious of trying to, you know, either pay these people back, um, yeah. whether it's through referrals or, you know, just saying um, thank you quite simply. But I suppose even referrals, um, one thing that changed me, my sort of opinion, I don't do anything huge in terms of orchestrating referrals, but at the same time, you also have to think, People want the refer, you know. I used to be a little bit embarrassed, maybe saying, Have you got any contacts, etc.? Mm. But essentially, it pins to people's ego. You know, everyone wants to say, Oh, here, I've got a guy for this. So yeah. that was something that has maybe changed my mindset on that as well. Did you see you, um, uh, one thing that um, I'm, only, I'm only bringing out here because I know you and it started opening a new part of the conversation, but you'd be um, the, the meditation and the yoga, you and I slagged each other off about that ages ago, but. Yeah, it's no good. You're quite into that whole the mindfulness thing, and the um, but you do a journal a lot. You're quite into the gratitude and the journaling. I have, I have fell off that wagon a little bit. The meditation and yoga I have been doing daily for quite some time now, and for me, it's like I've suffered serious anxiety. And without exaggeration, I would say my first couple of years in business. I don't know how you quantify depression, but it, like I didn't overly enjoy it because I was living on what Dan Sullivan would talk about. I was living in the gap, you know, and it wasn't like I wanted to be successful. You know, it wasn't the sake of, you know, I wanted to be successful, but I did want the business to be further on. So yeah. I was constantly 
kind of pissed off, you know, that things weren't moving as quick. And it wasn't just like a status thing. I just wanted the challenge of progressing the business. So since I've learned that concept of the gap where you're constantly, you know, living in the future, if you like, that has helped me kind of crystallize things. But yoga and meditation have been very good. I used to do maybe... 15 minutes you uh, meditation every morning now i've actually switched it just to the yoga just because i think it gets a tiny bit more bang for buck um and essentially it almost just slows time down a little bit yeah. it just makes you a lot more kind of like i very r- rarely would lose my temper and as you're aware of some of the crap that's been on in the past year i would be well within my rights to but I'm a, I'm a huge believer, but it's not for everyone, you know, right. I, I thought I was forcing, forcing it a little bit, and it takes a long time to see any, you know, everyone wants a result yesterday, um, it takes a long time to see any sort of result. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> some, of the, some of the things that you've been mentioning, you've been mentioning, um, I, I maybe chipped in with Dan Sullivan, and I know you've read a lot of Dan Sullivan, and you talk about a lot of other writers, and Jim Collins, just to be, maybe mention five or six different books, but you're a serial reader or a consumer of content. You read, you've got uh, audio books, you'll be listening to podcasts as well. Um, is it, do you find at a point where it's like, yeah, do you know what, I just got, I could be doing something more productive than listening to this, or are, are you just always just going to be sucking stuff up like that? Uh, I've been thinking about that lately. I'm actually not reading or, or learning as much, although when I say as much, I'm still doing it daily, but just maybe as much. But essentially, researching it was a form of resistance for me to steal the the term from Stephen Pressfield of I think from do the work um I mean it's so easy to read books you know it's actually hard to take action um but I actually love it you know when I'm stressed out there's nothing more I love than either reading book or learning I don't watch tv and it's not a badge of honor I just don't really like it um I would prefer to watch something I do have a bit of an unhealthy obsession with with business and sort of um continuous development uh but on the flip side you can i don't know if you can read too much i mean because there's arguments against like anything there's arguments for and against you know some will say warren buffett reads for three hours a day then some people will say you know reading too much can confuse you which is true as well um but for me i spent quite a lot you know i've probably read around 250 books i think i've got about definitely 180 uh, summary notes in my Evernote. So I have read quite a lot of books, um, listened to a lot of podcasts. And for me, books are they're the, probably the lowest way or the most affordable way of getting essentially someone's lifetime work for next to nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that Charlie Tremendous Jones quote, which and I'm not a huge believer in quotes, but I do love that quote about, you know, if you want to see your life in five to ten years' time, it's going to be the sum of two things. One, the books you read, and two, the people you spend most of your time with. And I think that probably is one of the most important tips for anyone in business or potentially starting out. It's like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, the people you spend your time with is hugely important and you know it's not always about just finding successful people though that is a very good thing to do sometimes you know if there's someone that's maybe nagging you um and our i suppose in the first podcast podcast one uh or tech one we had talked about confidence and it's hugely important because when you put yourself out there 
people will be trying to take the exact I have people laughing at my case and if anything it, mo- it motivates me more because yeah. I'll be like I'm going to prove you wrong and that is one of my motivations or was now I'm not as cynical but yeah uh, I, I think that um, the, the whole reading thing and the, the like it, as, a, as somebody who coaches or tries to coach people um, I think it's important. I have really struggled to find a coach to work with that I could that I would say as a mentor, and I certainly wouldn't look for somebody as a mentor who's more successful because success manifests itself in so many different ways. You're talking about success in terms of overcoming um, difficulties or challenges, who can really display resilience and true grit and determination, and that doesn't always uh, uh, show up in a bank balance, you know. And if you want to follow just money all the time, those people are probably harder to find and more or certainly less sincere and less benevolent with their mentoring i think anyway that's only my personal experience though the book thing i know you you read an awful lot we, we exchanged the old book and i'm i don't know how many books um that i've read i'm probably only a couple of years older than you so i might even be read at 220 or something like that but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i certainly don't remember the quotes like you do that's for sure what book would you if you're a fan or a book to somebody who's, who's managed to stay with this chat for the last 38 minutes what book would you suggest? One book that you would say you got to read this. It's tricky because without you know, I don't like giving sort of blanket advice to people. Um, I mean, some of the books uh, I probably should have thought about that before you asked it. Some of the books that have had quite a big impact on me, and I mentioned the last time would be the Four Hour Work Week. It's it's a cheesy name, uh, but again, the amount of people I know that it's helped them transition from either being in full-time employment to being self-employed or being a, an entrepreneur, um, Tim Ferriss, I, I relate to it some, I know you're mm-hmm. not a huge fan, but definitely the some of the, the tips and strategies uh, in it, it's a good book, Magic Thinking of Big, or Magic of Thinking Big is pretty good. Uh, Oh, biographies are good, you know, Steve Jobs, one of my favourite, Elon Musk, you know, because it's just, again, just a, a reference point, you know, right. to find out what some of these guys have been through. Um, for some people that maybe have a slightly bigger company, there's a great book by Vern Harnish called Scaling Up. Um, essentially, it should be a blueprint for anyone who's kind of got a company maybe with a couple of different employees, a couple of employees, and they're scaling. Another great book called Traction. Um, in terms of sales, we could go into Chet Holmes' really good book. Awesome, yeah. Um, Jay- did, I, did I ever tell you the story about Chet Holmes' book? Um, so Chet Holmes, it's on the table there somewhere. Chet Holmes has this book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would have gone out um, reading it and establishing places like that, but I would have had to take a cover of another book so that people wouldn't see me reading the fucking Ultimate Sales Machine <laughs> book. It is a cheesy name, but... It it's, the mo- it's amazing. It's like, oh, I don't know, he's dead now. He's a Tony, yes, yes, Tony yes. Robbins, like, uh, references him, name checks him all the time. Yeah. And uh, if you want to listen to him, you could go back, people on the online here could go back to Tony Robbins. And I think it's podcasts, I, I can't remember the number, but just Google the podcast with him. And it's amazing. Like, he's a really smart guy. Um, and he simplifies it all, where, you know, you've got CRM machines and, or, you know, all this stuff that tries to uh, condense things and makes life easier. It's not, technology doesn't make selling easier. I think listening to basic stuff makes selling really easy. People overcomplicate business it's too. It's um, large, yeah. You know, with all this technology, uh, it, it is overcomplicated. Another one of my favorite books, which 
I gave you and haven't got back. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> the Bible? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wrote that on my day off. <laughs> no, uh, Jay Abraham, getting everything out of, or getting everything out of all you have. Um, really good book. It's something similar to that title. But, I mean, what Jay Abraham, I learned from him, and I have took a lot of, is he talks about the strategy of preeminence, which is essentially, in a sales role, you're acting in a fiduciary fiduciary role um you know you are literally if you can't do what the client and that's one thing he talks about is like never name or never call your customers customers and call them clients customer is a transactional thing um clients are transformational long term yeah. so you're in a fiduciary role um but he's essentially saying and that's something which i am now doing is you know, and I, I learned this quite some time ago, is like, if you can't do it, send them to a competitor who, if they do it better, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, um, so I suppose in the first couple of years, I said yes to everything. Um, I suppose all their mistakes, I made, um, probably not listening to my own gut feeling, last time I spoke about, at the very start of um, the business, I sought out one of the best sort of sports scientists. This guy's really on the ground, but has worked with pretty much every top or all the top teams and athletes, and I got somehow managed to get a, a meeting with him, got some advice from him, told him my plans, and he sort of steered me towards the idea of getting into the sports nutrition space. And his intentions were well. He wanted, he thought, you know, equipment. You know, you could only sell that once. There might be a huge recurring revenue aspect. So he recommended going down the route of sports supplements because you know it would be reoccurring. But it turned out, you know, it was a huge outlay, minimum order quantities, and it was coming back in drips and drabs. And he was also talking about, you know, branding, using American terminology, etc. And you know, that marketplace is so cluttered too. Yeah, it was, yeah, with hindsight. Um, I, I had that feeling too, but you know, who was I to argue with this guy? You, you pointed me to the, the guy at Quest, the guy that launched Quest. Yeah. It's a great story, like it's a really, really good story, but I'm sure for every Quest, the streets of you know, the streets are littered with people who just fail because for all those reasons, you know. There is indeed, and I think that's what the biggest mistake of what people do is, you know, they try and they don't go niche and small enough you know they try and catch too much too quick i mean look at facebook started in harvard or wherever it was uh all of these companies started working with the smallest physical niche as possible but like now it literally hasn't been as easy to do it you know mm. and there is and i'm very pro-entrepreneurial but at the same time not everyone has got you know to, to start their own business um what's the what, what's the biggest challenge that you feel as an entrepreneur you've that you've struggled with what's the biggest thing that you've really struggled with running the business personally confrontation <laughs> uh, probably the inability of it or a uh, well i'm very very strongly opinionated but i'm maybe not just as confrontational as needed to be yeah. and sometimes things can manifest in your head and you can like you know just bury your head in the sand yeah. that would probably be one of my biggest mistakes I, I think I am self-aware in certain aspects but there's some things I'm just absolutely clueless on um, but that's that's that, that's hugely normal I just thinking as we're talking you have never worked for anybody you're always working for somebody right but you've never have you taken a paycheck of somebody else for uh, not really i mean when i was younger i did work for my uncle in a hotel but essentially i was in a yeah. so you but so you come out of university and you go straight into setting up your own then straight into it yeah, yeah. um and through you know people always ask when i was at university how i was making money 
when I, again, coming back to the transporting side of things, before Abercrombie had retail stores here, I was bringing it in in bulk and selling it on eBay, um, was making money. Uh, that was one way uh, I'd done it. Um, so you did pay all your taxes in that, obviously. <laughs> I was still currently paying off my student loan. I momentarily regret it drinking for four or five days a week. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, I, I don't. It was totally worth it. And um, But yeah, other mistakes. Well, let's move away from the mistakes because, you know, um, like that's just that's just comes with the territory. What about, what's the most rewarding thing that's happened in your time as an entrepreneur, um, was specifically within Black Box? Uh, I mean, getting the GEA Centre of Excellence was a big one because I'm not going into great detail, but there was numerous factors going on behind the scenes. There was one idea mark for years, did not discount. There was competitors literally doing it below cost, and I just so for sorry, Greg, for the honor. Let's hear it again. This is the centre of Dublin that's catering for all. Um, it is a center, a proper center of excellence mm -hmm. for GAA soccer and rugby as well. Is it or is no, it just so this is solely GAA? It's just GAA, yeah, sorry, solely right. GAA. Yeah. yeah, but that was one that was on the radar for quite some time. I mean, also had the benefit of working with Ulster Rugby, very good relationship with them guys. Doing Brighton and Brighton and Hove a couple of years ago. There's multiple, well, <laughs> in around a uh, couple of hundred thousand when that. PO came through, I literally fell off my seat and started crying. Like that was like the first like yeah. you've done it. Like not not done it, you know, not like you've made it, but it was like the first validation of, of what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, validation, you know, other ones were maybe there was a way in, etc. That was like, right, this is England, this is like a thirty million pound training center, you designed this, now it's time to deliver. And did deliver. They came back, got some referrals from it. Yeah. Um, so that was but and it's not again. I'm not not cheesy, but I do my own personal love is helping someone start to first. There's no more rewarding independent gym. Someone helping yeah. starting their own business and seeing them grow. Um, that I just love Gaelic clubs too, rugby clubs. I do as well. But that sort of helping someone empower them, giving them the tools and strategies is that's really. Um, rewarding and you know trying to think what else there has been there has been a few and it's quite hard sometimes I mean mm. Sri Lanka was a, a big one to get um, one of the the, the way you, you talk about it there is this like you know um, reluctance to mention the big names but it isn't really about the big names I think it's about the reach it's a truly global brand you know it's been four years in the making four and a half years in the making to get to this point you're probably on a huge skies second or third phase of development right now moving into the new premises which we'll talk about in a second but you're you know the the fact that you're uh, bringing in international uh, leaders thought leaders in the space to speak in belfast going to those conferences in america to suck all the information out from there working with the best in soccer however you choose to think soccer is if there's a sport compared to rugby or Gaelic, it doesn't really matter it's at the top level and i and i, th I would say a fair play for for doing so much in such a short space of time, um, whether it's on the opportunity curve or not, you've worked very hard at it. There's no mistake about that. Yeah, and there has been elements of luck, but I think when you do, it's quite hard. It's quite easy for someone that is 
into knowing inverted commas to see what we're trying to do. And the big thing for me, I'm always thinking long term, you know, it's that sort of we're farming, not hunting. You know, I, I'm not looking to make a quick buck here. If I wanted to make a quick buck, there would have been much easier ways to make money. I'm trying to put an infrastructure and build a business that will be potentially a saleable asset um, in time. So that's... Uh, yeah, so um, the uh, the new facility. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So moving the huge new premises in the Titanic border, and thanks for distracting me there. But Sorry. yeah, so recently just signed the lease, um, ten year lease for property in Titanic border, essentially double in size. Um, I mean, all my that that, and we came talking about that book. Uh, we got the name of it. We think about stuff. Obviously, that's no, the most ironic thing in, in terms of like, <laughs> I suppose, uh, thinking grow rich would be amazing, but anyway, uh, Titanic Quarter. I literally drove pa or used to run down there sort of every other week or once a month, especially during the summer. Uh, that was somewhere, somewhere that essentially I had done quite a lot of visualization. I wanted to. That I wanted that to be the home of Black Box and negotiating the lease for that property was one of my most fascinating experiences to date. It would have been cheaper to go somewhere out in the suburbs. Um, suburbs are so American. <laughs> um, but for me, you know, I wanted somewhere, we're literally right below the heart of the Wolf Cranes. Uh, and I wanted somewhere where our clients can come and have a dream experience. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be an exciting time. When we're doing what a what difference? What what is the um? I'll come back on that in a second. What's the difference? Um, what difference does this? What how does it change the way you'll do business there in this new facility? Uh, I think it's just gonna essentially. I'm building something. One, I'm a huge believer in on treating staff and team members very well. So, firstly, I want to have it extremely enjoyable for them a place for them to come work it's not going to be like a google office but we are having some nice perks in there it's going to be an amazing performance gym there as well um slash showroom uh but also you know we're right beside city airport i want to do a lot of education workshops etc for clients to come there there might even be a wine rack of some wine for people if they want to have a few drinks as well so essentially i'm just trying to build a dream experience one of my sort of bugbears is that a lot of equipment companies a lot of them will try and hide either behind an american brand or a catalog for me i with this facility i literally am i don't even like this expression but put my money where my mouth is i'm investing hugely in equipment through our suppliers because i firmly believe in what we're doing you know like I don't let profit margins dictate, you know, whether we're going to stock this product. If it's the right product for the client, yeah. we will offer it. But don't confuse it, you know, we are a profitable business, yeah. but I'd never let profit margins or quotas, etc. dictate what we're doing. We have a strict code of what we do, um, and it's all about centering the client's needs around everything. So, um, no, it's going to be exciting with the, the new showroom, so... Yeah, and that's you. You're down there right now. That's down in the um, the Titanic quarter. Um, people want to catch up and follow your story. 
What's the URL? Is it blackbox.com? Yeah, so it's blkboxfitness.com. I suppose I might, might as well touch on the rebound. Don't go again, man, because I ruined that there. I just said blackbox.com and they went, yeah, yeah, you just ran out something different. So give give all your handles and your uh, your web address again there. Yeah, so the URL is www.blkboxfitness.com. So it's essentially black without the the a and c okay. um that's the main url if anyone wants to ping me a personal email they can probably get me on uh hello at blkboxfitness.com um yeah i'm pretty on pretty uh vocal or present on the social media okay. um presence you know the reason i do it and i actually don't overly enjoy it but i do believe in, in top of mind awareness and you know i think that's where i have built quite a lot of trust is you know it's not always just about me boasting about what we've done i try and share you know maybe some of the struggles in business as well um a recurring theme in some of your posts where you can tell that there's been a reward but but prior to the reward there was a long journey and a struggle and you always talk about gratitude and you always take the you make things very grounded which i think is very honest um a lot of the time it's it's uh, you know it's a nice picture and i look what we did today but you you put together some uh, interesting backstories as well to support the successes and they're not always rose tinted glasses you know yeah well people you know <laughs> people maybe come up and say oh it's amazing what you've done so quickly and then it's like queen's university I was plaguing them for three years. Like there was this guy I knew, and he told me, what "Was it no means not just yet?" Who's that? Who that? <laughs> no, I suppose we didn't even come to how the hell we met each other. Oh which... yeah, that's a long story. Not even interesting. No. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very strange meeting. Now it was um, I where I was I was working at Donnelly's in Dungannon, um, Donnelly Group, and uh, kind of an interim marketing director position, and turns. You were meeting Terence about trying to blag a vehicle off him or something. A free, a free van, yeah. Which he doesn't do, by the way. In case you're thinking of yeah, it, nah. anybody's thinking of it. And then he he put me in front of you, and kind of the rest is history. I've watched your the, the growth over the last four and a half years, and it has been um, it's been real joy to watch. It's been fairly impressive. It hasn't been without its ups and downs, that's for sure. And anybody who knows you well enough, um, or even from the periphery, might look in and see that you've had to endure some stuff that um. And a whole a whole bunch of different levels, but you've got this resilience and grit that kind of drives you forward. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, it's I mean it's been good conditioning, and uh, yeah, no, slightly more optimistic. I think it's uh, I suppose it's we've been through a fair bit of you know learning and, and market research and testing, and now I think it's the case of I'm quite confident in terms of what we're going to be doing over the next sort of three years. Um, there's a lot of good opportunity uh, out there. So, what about the rebrand then? Just to finish off from the, on the, the yeah, rebrand. So the rebrand, yeah, that degree I must have <laughs> been drunk most of the time. But initially, the company I think was Elite Fitness and Performance. Then we rebranded to EFP Gyms, which was like from bad to even worse. Uh, it just wasn't an aspirational name. I just hated it. There was quite a lot of confusion around. So, long story short, there was an agency appointed to do the rebrand. Unfortunately, they didn't come up with the, the goods. And um, this was like a six-month process. I was going out of my mind because I knew to take the company to the next level, we needed to do it. And I branding 
if you've got a good name, it does help. It's not the be-all and end-all. As you well know, it's all about the story you tell. But if you do have a good brand, it is a very good asset to have. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, it was coming out of established. Uh, I, like, I, I was in Australia just before. I was just literally going out of my mind. Came out of established and drove past the black box of the bar and just thought, the black box... I like that. So the reason we kind of went with that, Miles, our design engineer, he tweaked it then, pulled out the A, the A and the C just to make it a little bit more symmetrical, just as quite a, a cool logo, apparently. Um, but I suppose the reason we went with that and the feedback, I remember when I, I'll never forget the first day I cut up the post and the logo, yeah. which we all done in-house. Like the feedback, I actually thought people were like being sarcastic, taking yeah. this, and it, it has helped things skyrocket considerably but I suppose the reason of doing the the black box it was more you know what is in the black box you know essentially the, the business is almost a consultancy um where you know you're doing a lot of education very service driven and the equipment part's actually quite easy you know it's, yeah. it's finding out you know what people's needs are and then the actual kit's quite easy so there is quite a lot of thought you know also being transparent too you know we have to do some stuff to make us the chosen provider and thankfully in Ireland we are quite considerably ahead of other competitors from a, a performance point of view you know a lot of our equipment's totally modular we've created quite a lot of smart uh, attachments which save space and money and that a lot of that was borrowed from yes other equipment companies in america but also steve jobs mm -hmm. idea of closed architecture so a lot of people will come and say oh your attachments are amazing can i get them for my cheaper mm -hmm. out of the box piece of equipment and unfortunately they can't so uh yeah that's been a pretty good one um, when you think of the you know you you um you can talk all day about the center of excellence and the ulster rugby and um liverpool everton and arsenal and Brighton Hove Albion, whoever else it is, but the bottom line is the bread and butter is the guy who wants to convert his garage because he's got training and he's got one more year he wants to make the, the senior team for the Tyrone Championship or for the you know for the Derry Championship or the, and and there's you know that you've got confined space and it's about maximizing the space. And if you know what they want and you know what they need and you know what the budget is, it's like a it's a win 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 for everybody. It is, yeah. I mean, I suppose we didn't really get into what the actual the business does, but we do manufacture you know the centerpiece if you like almost like dell and their prime where we can mass customize um a lot of the equipment to suit space um or colors matching brands uh so and that's been hugely popular with with gaelic clubs um and independent gyms as well uh and it's given us a very unique position in that we can do stuff sometimes in a couple of days or Two weeks is our, our kind of average lead time, whereas most other companies are for any custom work at best four to five weeks, but most are kind of 12 to 16. So we're in a very, very unique position. Um, we've also got other good USPs apart from the actual consultancy side where we can do CAD design, showing people exactly what the gym is going to look like yeah. beforehand. Um, which is, has been good and thankfully there's not many other companies in the UK there's one or two that has got the infrastructure that we have that we've invested in um, a lot of companies will maybe just resell so they're reselling out of the box equipment whereas everything we do is about we're kind of celebrating your brand and as you say maximizing space also we're getting our brand there as well yeah. so it's um 
it's a strategy that's worked. There is lots of room for improvement. There is a bit of a, I wouldn't say a paradox of choice. I do have a fair idea what way the direction to take the company, but you know, we've now had a lot of companies coming to us and saying, big brands as well, saying, can you essentially white label and make the equipment for us because they can't get it quick enough, um, which is nice and that's a decision to make whether we want to go down that route. Mm. Um, so yeah. Some Good position to be in. It is indeed. I mean, the idea of potentially controlling your competitor in your back pocket is quite uh, <laughs> appealing, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Um, right, okay, we've just come to about an hour. If you've stayed this long, I really hope you have because um, I've been trying to get Greg in front of the microphone here um, for a long time. Then we had a rat at last Saturday night and then the wheels kind of come off um, just because we had a couple of bottles of wine and just thought it's not fit for um, human consumption. Um, so we came back at it. I personally think, and, and I'd be a big advocate of, of the work you've done. I think it's a brilliant story. I think it's all, you know, some great stories of the island of Ireland. And this is almost like a little gem that's just working away in the corner and four years later it's now starting to do some really great things and I think and, and what you do to, what you get a chance to do in Titanic will be deadly so thanks for coming in man it's been really good very interesting chat we'll maybe continue this after the, the, the stop button goes on and, and see what happens but um, uh, thanks very much for coming in man and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll carry this on perfect yeah well you're welcome to come visit in titanic border anytime so uh no thank you very much paul and everybody if you want to uh, follow me uh shift control.co.uk um twitter is shift control 66 greg's website is blkboxfitness.com and um he's all over social media like a really pretty pale slug. Mm -hmm.